so we're going to talk about worldview for a second here. So worldview, you might have heard of this before. If you haven't heard of it, you have one. You have a worldview, and your worldview is your outlook on life. It's the way that you see life in particular, and it's been shaped by everything that has ever happened to you. So everything good, everything bad, everything boring, everything normal, and the way that you have interpreted all of this stuff, and also the way that other people have interpreted all of this stuff for you. This makes up your worldview. And your worldview, it's like a filter. They say it's like wearing a pair of glasses. You just see stuff this way. It's the filter that you run everything through your mind. And that gives you your own unique perspective on life. And I think we can all agree, though, that we don't all see stuff the same way, right? We can all agree that not everyone sees everything the same way. You guys are very quiet. Do you guys have turkey for breakfast? No? Okay. Just say yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we don't all see everything the same way. And our worldview, it happens instantly. We don't think about this. This is subconscious. It just happens. So I'm going to have a picture on the screen come up. So this is a picture of a dress, okay? It's actually a pretty bad picture of a dress. And we're all looking at it right now. And can everyone agree that we are all looking at the picture of the dress? Yes, okay. And so I see a picture of a gold and white dress. What? Yeah. What? So some people are like, what is he talking about? Some people completely agree with me. But who sees a white and gold dress right now? Put your hand up. Okay. Who sees a blue and black dress? Put your hand up. Yep. Anybody see a blue and brown dress? No blue? Oh, we got one. Nice. You're special. Okay. So we can all agree that we are looking at the same picture. Yes? Yes. Okay. We're all looking at the same picture. This picture is called the dress. So this was on the internet a few years ago. Still on the internet. Everything stays on the internet. This is called the dress, and it was a viral sensation on the internet. And what is interesting about this picture is we can all look at it, and we can see different things. You can actually see different colors at different times. So I've seen this in different, in the blue and black. I've seen that before. But this has a lot to do with the way your brain perceives color, okay? So you didn't choose what you saw just a moment ago or what you're seeing right now. Instantly, your brain decided what colors this was going to be. So this has something to do with the way your brain sees color. It has something to do with the way this picture was taken, the original lighting. And it has something to do with our projectors right now. So if you look at this on different screens, you see different stuff. But we can all agree that none of us chose what colors we we're going to see, even though they were actually there, right? So that's just like your worldview. It instantly happens. You do not decide what you're going to do and what you're going to see. So that's a little bit like your worldview. It's instant. So we've got our worldview. You can take the picture down because I think everyone's going to keep talking about it. <laughs> We've got our worldview, but we also have habits, right? We all know what habits are. And habits are things that we do by repetition that we have trained ourselves to do. And these habits can be formed intentionally or unintentionally. And we have control over them. So we're in control of what we do, we're in control of what we say, and we're in control of what we think. So you think about this, the more that you complain about something... If you were to ever complain, you probably don't. But the more you were to complain about something, the more likely it is that you're going to complain about stuff in the future. So we can train ourselves to have these instant thought habits. And habits, they become 
automatic, just like that worldview thing just happens. And our habits, we've trained ourselves for certain things to happen automatically. So we all have something going on called confirmation bias. Can everybody say confirmation bias? Welcome to school. All right, confirmation bias. So confirmation bias is where you begin to interpret your circumstances based on theories that you have about life. So you have theories about life, about people, about different things, and you go into these scenarios every day looking to prove your theory right. So you look for evidence to confirm your own bias, okay? So everybody does this. So we can actually hardwire our brains to think in certain ways. And the more that we do it, so the more maybe you think positively, the easier it will be to think positively later. Or the more that you think negatively, the easier it's going to be to think negatively later. So you're actually hardwiring your brain to do this. So you think about someone who's, who's critical, right? Uh, someone who's always critical. They're critical about everything. They're critical about, um, they find what's wrong with everything. They find what's wrong with you. They find what's wrong with other people. And they find what's wrong with themselves. And they always do this. So it's literally easier for them to think this way than to think positively. So science, um, the study of neuroplasticity, wow, this is getting boring quick, neuroplasticity, <laughs> getting a thumbs up, nice, take notes. Um, neuroplasticity, so it's um, the plasticity of the brain, so brain plasticity, the word plastic is in there, plasticity means moldable, right? And this is the reason that children can learn so quickly, because our brains are shaped and molded. And this continues all the way through your life. You have ability to shape and mold your brain. So you can shape and mold your brain. And the more you think a certain way, the easier it will be to think that way again. So the person who thinks critically, it's really easier for them to think critically because they've made pathways in their mind that make it easier and faster and even more automatic than it was before for them to think that way again. So think about this. So you've got your theory about life and you're gonna find evidence to prove it. So you might have the theory that your spouse is just a huge slob and never listens, okay? And every day you go in to your day looking to confirm what you know to be true. You find everything that's wrong and you pick it apart. But you think about it, when you were dating, you had a different theory. Probably had a different theory. I hope you had a different theory, right? <laughs> you thought that your spouse was just, your girlfriend or boyfriend at that point was just the most amazing person that had ever set foot on this earth, right? And you found everything that was amazing. And maybe your parents were like, how do you not see everything that's wrong with this person, <laughs> right? But you had a different theory, and you went out looking to confirm what you knew to be true. Or maybe you have kids that uh, you think they never clean up after themselves and never listen to you, and they're always annoying each other, right? And you go into every day looking to confirm that that is true. Or maybe... You have children that you believe are God's gift to this earth, right? They can't do anything wrong. They are perfect little angels. And no matter what happens, you always will believe that they are the most amazing children who have ever set foot on this earth. And you're right. They are. They are the most amazing things. So while our perception of things is lar largely subconscious, we do have the ability to train and mold our brains to see something differently. So 
if you go through life thinking that everything's bad, what do you think you're going to find in your future? If you go through life thinking that everything is good, what do you think you're going to look for and find in your future? If you go through life believing that God is good all of the time, what do you think it is that you're going to find in your future? And so some of you might be listening right now, and you might be saying, okay, you're actually just asking me to be biased. And I am. I am definitely asking you to be biased because you are already biased, right? So we all have these biases in life. And my bias is that God is good all of the time. And I go looking to prove that, right? But is the bias that you have right now, is it serving you? Is the bias you have serving you? Because you have one, right? Is what you are looking to confirm to be true, is that helpful for you this morning? So what are you looking for? And Romans 12, 2, it talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's exactly, like, this actually happens. You begin to transform your brain as you, as you commit to making these patterns. Because you do this knowingly or unknowingly. So what are you training yourself to look for? So we're going to look at a guy. His name is Paul. He's in the New Testament. He wrote the majority of the New Testament. And uh, we're just going to recap who he is in case you don't know who he is or you don't remember who he is. So he used to be the supervillain of the New Testament, okay? Um, Christians everywhere did not want to see Saul coming. Saul, he would have Christians arrested. He'd have people stone them. He would have them thrown in prison. He would shut down their churches. Anybody who was going around talking about this Jesus who had died and come back to life, and they were saying that he was God, he was after those people. But one day, Saul was headed to a place called Damascus, and he met Jesus for himself. And his life was radically transformed. So his name went from being Saul to Paul. So his name was changed, his life was changed. And this guy, he lived a crazy, crazy life. So he went from tearing the church down to building it up. There was nothing that he wanted to do other than build up the church and tell people about Jesus. He was hardcore. He got beat up. He got shipwrecked. He was thrown in prison on multiple occasions. He was left for dead. He was hardcore. You would have loved to tell everybody that this was your pastor. He was, he was a superhero, pretty much. So Paul had this thing. He wanted to go to Rome. This was kind of his career goal on his bucket list. He felt called to go to Rome because Paul knew at the time when he was alive that um, Rome was the center of the empire, right? Center of the modern world. This is where um, decisions were made. This was where culture was set. This was a place of influence. He knew that if he could get the message of Jesus into Rome to take root, that it would spread throughout the rest of the empire. So Paul was a church planter, and he planted a church in a place called Philippi. And then there's a letter in the New Testament. So in the back quarter of your Bible, there's a letter to the Philippians. So these are the people who lived in Philippi. So he wrote them a letter. And he wrote them a letter from a prison in Rome. So if we think about that for a second, Paul had always wanted to go to Rome. This is where he wanted to go. And he's there, but it's probably not what he was imagining, right? Being in prison. Being in prison for following Jesus was the reason he was in prison. 
So this was part of his strategy. This was part of his career goals. This was on his bucket list to go to Rome. But here he is. He's now in prison for following Jesus, the very one that he wanted to serve. In Rome, he's in prison because of him. So that's not cool. But if we look at this letter, Paul seems actually quite content, quite content with his situation. In the letter, he talks a lot about joy. He talks a lot about praying for people. He's encouraging the church that he's writing to, and he says that what has happened to me here, me being in prison, this has actually served to advance the gospel. It's actually done exactly the thing that I'd hoped to do while I was here in Rome. So if I can be real for you, with you for a second, um, if I was Paul and I was thrown in prison for following Jesus, I don't think that my natural response would be to write you guys a letter. Um, if I did write you a letter, I might write you a letter asking to help break me out. But I maybe wouldn't ask you guys because you guys are law-abiding citizens. I might write that one to the youth. Everett, you'd bust me out, right? Yeah, right? You know, I'd be writing a letter to get someone to bust me out. My natural um, decision would maybe to uh, start digging a tunnel. I'd be like, okay, let's dig a tunnel. I'd be watching the guards coming and going. I'd be trying to pick the lock. I'd be doing what I could to get myself out of there. That would be my natural response. But I wasn't there, obviously. Um, but Paul, I do know this about him. He was a real person, right? Paul was a real person, a real human with real feelings, real emotion. And he couldn't have been happy to be thrown in prison for following Jesus. That can't be his natural response, right? So sometime between the time of being thrown in prison, the place that was on his bucket list to come tell people about Jesus, the one place that he really wanted to go, and everyone knew this is where he wanted to go. So sometime between being thrown in prison and writing this letter, he must have made a perspective shift, right? So how do we make a shift like that? How do we make a perspective shift? Well, I think what often happens when we make a perspective shift is that we get some new information that helps us to look at our situation a little bit differently. So you can think about it like this. So say you have a car that is just absolutely trash, right? You hate it. It's rusty. The paint's faded. Um, always needs new parts, always breaking down, semi-reliable, air conditioning doesn't work, so you get really hot, the windows probably don't function properly, you get some nods, everyone's been there, right? We used to have a car, this is kind of a rabbit trail, but when we lived in South Africa, we didn't have a lot of money, and we had a car that the battery would just drain overnight, and we didn't have, we had a, like a charger for the battery, but we didn't have enough money to buy an extension cord to get the extension cord from the house to the car, so every time we'd go somewhere, or overnight, I'd have tools with me, and I'd take the battery out and bring it into everybody's house and charge it, and then I'd pick it back up, put it back in the car, screw it back together, and then we'd go. Good times. <laughs> so if you had a car like that, you're probably not super thrilled with it, and you're wishing you had a new car. It's probably loud, and it's embarrassing to drive, right? You just, you don't like your car scenario. But then you hear about somebody who uh, takes the bus all the time, right? They take the bus, they stand at the bus stop in the rain, in the snow, it's really cold, and all of a sudden, your car problem, your car problem doesn't seem 
so bad anymore. Or you hear about somebody who rides a bike, even in the winter, right? All of a sudden, your car problems don't seem so bad anymore. And the thing is, nothing, nothing changed in your situation. You still have the same awful car that you don't like. But your perspective, you're able to look at things a little bit differently now. So some new information gets introduced. So back to Paul. All he ever wanted to do was to go to Rome and go all over the place telling people about Jesus and what he had done. And we're going to look at Philippians 1, 12 to 13. This is what he's writing to the church that he planted. It's not a come break me out letter to his youth. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. And 13, for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. So for everyone here, including the whole palace guards, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. So Paul, what's he saying to his church? He's saying that what has happened to him here has actually served to advance the gospel, to advance the message of Jesus. So there must have been this moment before Paul wrote this where he said to himself, okay, this isn't exactly how I pictured this going down, right? I probably thought there's going to be a lot more walking around and talking to people and a lot less prison here, you know, a lot less prisony. Might not be exactly where I want it to be. I might not be exactly where I want it to be. But I know that God can use this. I'm still in Rome. I'm still in Rome. I'm still at the heart of the empire. I'm still strategically placed to spread the message of Jesus. So in that verse, it says, um, including the whole palace guard, right? So why is that in there? This is important. So Paul is in Rome still, right? He's still at the heart of the empire. So the palace guard, these were the elite guards of the Roman Empire. These are influential people that are guarding him. And Paul, he has at least one guard a day. Maybe he has two guards a day. Maybe he has three. Maybe it's a union thing and there's like five or six, two at a time. Who knows, right? He's got guards. These are influential people. These are, yep, someone just rolled out. Okay. So, Paul, he's in a city of influence, being guarded by influential people. So, what does Paul do? He begins to influence the influential people. So, every time he has a new guard, he's saying, hey, have I told you about Jesus yet? And some of them were probably like, oh my goodness, please don't put me near him. But some of them heard the message of Jesus, and their lives were changed. And these people, they would then go out, and they would tell others because we're in the city of influence with influential people, they would go out and influence others for Jesus. And then later on in this letter, it says that people outside of the prison, other Jesus followers, they were encouraged by what they knew Paul was up to in the prison. So they said to themselves, hey, if Paul can tell people about Jesus, if Paul can make an impact from inside his prison walls, we should be able to do it out here. And the message of Jesus begins to spread like crazy throughout Rome. So crazy that we're talking about it over here on the other side of the planet 2,000 years later. This is like pretty unbelievable stuff. So where do you need to make 
a shift in your life? Where in your life do you need to start looking at things a little bit differently? What is that situation that maybe isn't exactly what you hoped for? How can you look at it differently? So here's a bit of new information. You, you might have heard this before. Um, Ephesians 3.20 says this. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. To accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. So what is this verse saying? This verse is saying that our God is capable of doing more than you can even imagine with every situation of your life. Can you imagine what God might do with the good stuff in your life, with the normal stuff, with the boring stuff, with the bad stuff? God can do, if you can imagine, God can like maybe move, move the needle to here. This verse is saying he can do infinitely more, right? God can do so much more than you can even dream of if you're willing to let him in and to do something with this. So what do you have to be thankful for this morning? What isn't the way that maybe you wish it was? You can be thankful that we have a God who's capable, a God who is willing to use each and every circumstance in your life. So are you thankful that you have a God who can use your life in a way that you can't even imagine? Because God wants to produce something through all that he's given you. He wants to produce something through all that he's walking with you through. Even the hard stuff. Even the hard stuff. But aren't you thankful this morning that we have a God who can bring good out of bad stuff? Aren't you thankful that we have a God who has brought you from darkness to light? Or a God that could this morning, you know? There's somebody in this room that needs to hear that. We do have a God who can do that. We have a God who can take what the enemy meant for harm. And he will use it for good. He wants to. He wants to. But this doesn't mean that your life is going to be perfect. It doesn't. Jesus, unfortunately, promises us that there's going to be tough stuff in our lives. But it does mean that you can thank him for what he's going to do through every situation in your life. And this message is more focused on, like, that bad circumstance in your life, that bad situation. But God also wants to take the good stuff, right? He wants to do more than you can imagine with the good things in your life. He wants to, your marriage, like you have a good marriage, he wants to make it a great marriage. He wants to impact people through your marriage. If you have children, if you have grandkids, God wants to do more through that than you can even imagine. We don't know what the implications are of raising a Jesus follower, right? Turn the world upside down. Paul, we're talking about what he did 2,000 years ago. He could never have imagined that we would talk about this this morning, that he would have wrote a letter to a church, right? He couldn't, you can't dream this up. We don't know what God is going to do, but we need to be willing. So let's be thankful for what we have, right? But let's also be thankful for what God is going to do. So this isn't a Thanksgiving message where we just go home and be grateful, right? That's a great thing. We want to do that. We should be thankful for all that God has given us, right? And I'm sure we've all been at a Thanksgiving dinner where you go around the table and everyone just, we say what we're grateful for. 
But what would, what would happen if we could also be grateful for stuff that maybe is not exactly what we had hoped for? And the Bible says, like, God will do more than we can imagine with it. He really will. So let's renew our thinking. Let's make the shift in our perspective to one of thankfulness for what God has done, what God is doing, and what God is going to do. Because God is in it all. God is through it all, and he wants to use all of it. He really does. So let's make the shift, and let's, let's think about things differently. Sound good? Amen. All right, let's pray. God, I thank you um, for every person in this room, Lord. I thank you for every situation in this room. I thank you for the good stuff. Thank you for the normal stuff. Um, I thank you for the boring stuff, and I thank you even for the bad stuff, because we need to be able to do that, God. And um, I just speak um, your life into those situations, Jesus. Um, God, I pray that you would use our lives in ways that are unexpected, in ways that we can't imagine, in ways that we could never dream of, Lord. And some of the implications of this we will never see. And we, we're okay with that, God. And I pray um, just that yeah, you would use it all and help us to be willing to acknowledge um, that maybe things are tough right now, you know, because you're there for us through it all, Jesus. Um, so we thank you, Lord, for all that you're going to do. And we pray that um, just ripples of, of people submitting their lives and submitting um, situations that maybe they didn't hope for, maybe they never wished would happen. God, I just pray that you would use those and those would turn into powerful testimonies of, of your power and of your grace and of your love. So we thank you, God, for, for all that you've done. Thank you for all that you're doing and all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Sweet. On the video. On the screen.